Hi, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast Season 4. Do you like conversations with people who are passionate about food? When you pick your vacations, do you base it on what you want to eat and then hit up every place Anthony Bourdain said to? Is food your love language? Well, if so, this podcast is for you. Join me here on Fridays, where we will laugh, possibly shed a tear, and always leave hungry for our next great bite of food. And if you're ready, your next food adventure starts right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller, and this is season four. Woo-woo! If you're new to the podcast, thanks for being here. If you've been here for all other three seasons, oh my God, I love you. I can't believe we've made it this far. Well, I can, because we're rock stars. So here's the drill. If you don't know the drill, this is the drill. Go to my website for all of the show notes, elizabethrfuller.com. You don't have to take the notes. I've taken the notes. If you've got questions for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, send me an email, let's go on a food adventure, gmail.com. And of course, follow me on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Slide into the DMs with all of your questions. And please don't forget to like, rate, and share the podcast wherever you listen to it because that's the way we get heard. And who doesn't want to hear us? All right, let's get into the show. Hello, hello, people of the pod. How is everyone? What's going on? We made it through January. I almost said we made it through February. We made it through January, which is very apropos because today we're talking um, about wine. So <laughs> screw dry January. No, I'm just kidding. If you're sober, Tag along and listen. Maybe maybe this will be a good idea if you're trying to gift somebody a bottle of wine. If you're not sober and you're into wine, then this is an incredibly fascinating episode for you. But before we get into all that, and you know, you'll hear the fun music in a moment, um, is anyone out there watching the show The Traders? It's on Peacock. Uh, it's on NBC, I'm sure, at some time, somewhere, some some universe but it's definitely on peacock there's two seasons we're only we started with season two because we didn't know and um i kind of want to go back and start watching season one it is so i think it's so good i think it's so entertaining it's super cheesy it's um very silly and effortless to watch and like you can half watch it which i thoroughly enjoy um and it's got a ton of Real Housewives on it, which, you know, your girl loves all the franchises of that for the most part. So um, a handful of girls from Atlanta love, love, love. And then um, girl from Orange County. And I feel like there was one more, but doesn't matter. Um, a girl from a gal from Drag Race, love. And a handful of other like... Uh, bachelor big brother that kind of stuff which i don't really watch or i don't watch at all i should say so um and they have to kill each other <laughs> not like hunger game style but like they pick three people who are the traitors and then everyone else has to figure out who the traitors are but the traitors kill somebody every night and then somebody gets voted off every night so it goes kind of fast and they do silly stuff and they're in a castle in scotland which is very entertaining too and it's all about strategy 
And it's just, it's a fun, like, escapey kind of show with reality TV stars in it. And it's fabulous. So highly recommended if you're looking for something just to, like, not watch, watch. Um, the other thing I watched a couple of weeks ago, which I... One of the best, I, th I just think the way that they did this documentary was so well done. I know the story um, is called The American Nightmare and it's on Netflix. It's probably still in the top 10. It's just the first episode is the guy's perspective. The second episode is the girl's perspective. And the third episode is kind of the truth of it all. And it it was it was just so well done. They, they did it in a way on purpose for each episode to like sway you one way or another. And then you're like, holy shit, holy shit. So um, if you need something, it's only three episodes. Very, very quick and easy watch. Just really, really good. Um, that's something else. But there was one more thing I wanted to tell you guys. And now I forget what it was. Okay, hold on. Let's just get into this because it's a, it's a juicy, long, uh, fabulous episode we're about to dive into. All the fun music. Are you thirsty? Uh, you will be after this guest. I can promise you that. And you're going to want to reach for a cold glass of wine if you're into wine. You will be into wine after this and you'll need to sign up for her club program and then you'll have the wine you want. Anyway, my guest today, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's a German expat who lives on the coast in California, that lucky gal. She's traveled far and wide to learn everything she can about wines from New Zealand to Germany to California and everywhere in between. She's taking classes on it. She's mastered in it. She's a sommelier for Christ's sake. And she knows everything there is to know about German wine. So please, please welcome to the podcast, Lisa from Two Pits Wine. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. Happy New Year. Yes, yeah, same to you. 2024. <laughs> what a year it's going to be. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We're out of Mercury and retrograde, I think. You know, this is going to come out in beginning of February. So we've already hit a month in, in this year. So by this time when this podcast comes out, you're going to have like a million subscribers to your wine, <laughs> everything. It's just going to blow up. It's already blown up. It's going to keep blowing up. Uh, the podcast is going to blow up even more. Like life is going to be so good at the beginning of February in 2024 when this comes Sounds out. Sounds incredible. Looking okay, forward to it. We're manifesting <laughs> it now, right? Like, <laughs> come on, come on universe. We're manifesting. We're manifesting. Totally. So, um, we need to talk about everything to do with you. And I want to start with where are you right now in the country? I am in this beautiful state of California, right in the central coast of California, pretty much like right between LA and San Francisco in Pismo Beach, right by the coast. Oh, so I have ocean view right now, just so you know. <laughs> I am so sad. <laughs> I'm so sad. I lived in LA for a year and then San Diego for many years and mm -hmm. I miss it so terribly and right now I'm in the Boston area and I'm staring at ice and snow and slush and it's like maybe 20 degrees outside maybe like ah uh, 
and you turn yeah, tan, no. you have like this really nice blush <laughs> tone to you. I'm so, I can't get that. Even if I put on makeup at this point, I am pasty. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just spent two and a half weeks with my sister over in North Carolina and our dad came to visit from Germany to spend Christmas with us. And at some point I was like, yeah, I think I'm ready to go back to California. <laughs> I know. And North Carolina is like a pretty temperate climate too. It's not like it's like True. Maine. Like it's, it's not that cold. I know it gets cold. I mean, we have a mutual mm-hmm. friend. That's how you and I fall in love. Um, and he's a podcast yeah. regular, Mr. Michael William Doyle. And uh, I just, it's North Carolina is not bad. He told me today, I think, and we're, we're recording this in January that it was like 18 degrees outside or something right now. So he was definitely complaining via text yesterday. And I was like, mm-hmm. dude, I know, but yeah. like in a week, it'll be in the sixties. So, you know, slow your roll, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. we have 18 degrees here, but it's Celsius. So it's like <laughs> 65 or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> fucking Celsius, man. Like it makes it sound so much worse than it is. But like in reality, you're like Celsius, like Celsius is, I, I remember where I went to see my brother in Brazil and I'm like, how hot is it right now? He's like, oh, it's like 27 degrees Celsius or whatever it was. And I was like, I can't do that math. Like I, I have no idea. I couldn't even. Like I barely get centimeters. Like I can't do Fahrenheit to Celsius. Like oh, here's a funny, funny story for you. So, Mike, he was telling me about his meat thermometer, and he was trying. He's like, this shit is broken. I was using it last night, and I was like sticking it in the chicken, and it just kept saying it was like I forget. He was trying to figure out how to poach chicken, I think, or something. And he's like, it was like reading, like it was like fifty degrees, and it just wouldn't get hotter, and all this other shit. And I'm like, is it on Celsius? He goes, <laughs> I don't know. And then he checked. He goes, holy shit, it was on Celsius. I was like, yeah, not broken, <laughs> not broken, dude, not broken. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. I knew you'd like just- that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. funny yeah yeah um okay so we can let's start at the beginning because you we, your accent really does tell me that you are not from california originally i'm guessing texas okay. <laughs> i'm kidding yes obviously <laughs> obviously where <laughs> tell everybody where you're from so i am actually born in the u.s um over on the east coast in boston um but then my oh, parents my moved back woods. to germany yes totally yeah what hospital? Where were you? Were you born in Boston? In Newton. Oh, Newton Wellesley, baby. I'm sure it was mm-hmm. a beautiful area. You grew up, you could have grown up bougie. You could have. I know, apparently. But, you know, my parents decided to move back to Germany when I was two and a half years old. My sister was just about one year old. So I grew up in Germany. Um, lived my whole life pretty much in Germany for the most part, at least went to school in Germany and um, yeah, moved to California about five years ago. And um, so in between, like how this all started is pretty much I yeah grew up in Germany. And then um, after school, I was like, well, what should I do with my life? You know, like what everyone does, <laughs> not knowing what's happening. And I wanted to go to business school and to actually be um, accepted. This whole business school is like only accepting like English speaking everything would be taught in English so I was like well if I want to go to this business school which actually cost money too so Germany education was for free um for the most part at least but this was like a private business school for some reason I thought I should go there and so I was well, yeah, like all well, the education in the EU is usually your taxes you guys pay such high taxes right that that's why it's mm-hmm. probably free yeah okay yeah, so, so usually pre- it's free but for some reason I had like this crazy idea to go to this really cool you know private 
business school <laughs> because you're based, you're an American. And so you're in, like, even though you were only an American here for two years, you're like, fuck it. Like I want to go and spend money at college. Cause that's what yes. Americans do. Even though you're German like that's Yeah. So I get that. I know. Okay. Yeah, totally. So I had this idea that I should just go and learn English before I start studying and it's really expensive private school. And then I ended up in New Zealand with my mom's best friend who lived in New Zealand at this point already for over 20 years. And so I, yeah, booked my flights. I haven't talked to her on the phone before at all. I just emailed her and she's like, yeah, let me know when you're arriving. I'll pick you up at the airport. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. So I just broke up my boyfriend this time. I was like, I'm go- I'll be gone for four months. We should break up. We are too young for this. <laughs> Good for you. So, so German just like, of you. Yeah. So just <laughs> yeah, like, hold on, honey. I need to be very realistic. You like, hear the rigid terms. Sorry. No sale. That's yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So hold on before we get to New Zealand. Now, what did, so your mom and dad lived here in the States for a small period. Are they from Germany originally? Yes. My parents are German and they moved over here in the eighties. They, my dad is a chef, a trained chef. So he um, started working at the country club, Jewish country club in Boston. Mm. And so this is how, the cl- like the country club. The Jewish uh, Belmont Country Club. Oh, the Belmont. Yeah. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. is where he worked at for several years as like a sous chef and then a head chef as well. And um, that's why we were living in America. Yeah, because he was a chef and they wanted to leave Germany at this point in the 80s. There was a lot happening in the politics back then. Yeah. And like Chernobyl happened. And and so they were like, well, let's get out of here. This is not yeah, a no, that was space. a good time to live. Yeah. Many of my out. parents' friends left actually in the same era <laughs> like the whole yeah. band somewhere else abroad my mom's brother was living in the U.S. at this point already and uh, my mom's best friend Lisa moved to New Zealand at this point with her partner so all my parents friends were kind of staggered around the world and so my parents decided to go to the U.S. at this point no that's that's good I mean I remember when the the wall fell like I'm, I was born in mm-hmm. 1980 and so I've got memories of, and I can't even imagine what it must have been like to live in and around that and experience that. So it's good that they they got out, but then they went back. What year did they move back? Uh, in, um, I think it was 1991. Mm, okay. So right after. Okay. How did mom and dad meet? Um, so they met back in Germany, like a long time ago. Actually, my mom um, was seven years older than my dad. So oh. the time that my parents met, my um, mom was already married. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. Okay. So, but my dad was like, no, that's the one that I want to marry one day. So he met my mom. He went home to his dad and told him like, I met my dream woman. I will marry her one day. Aww. And then they were all in the same friend group though. So my dad was the youngest one, but he kind of got into the friend group and stuff. And then he told my mom's husband at this time, I was like, one day you will mess up and I will be there. And so that's what's happened. <laughs> no. So it's like it's really cute love story <laughs> how my parents met and like <laughs> how they finally got together and then he did like his chef training and everything in Germany and then um they were like well let's go to America so they did like some stops in Mexico in between and then ended up in Boston and lived there for about five years. Wow, living their best life. That's what my husband did for a long. He's he was an executive chef at country clubs as well. So. I'll uh yeah I'll run the Belmont one by him he worked in Boston though for many years um okay what part of Germany did you guys grow up in I grew up just outside of Cologne area so that's north of Frankfurt that's a beautiful really fun city um and I love going back so I moved here five years ago but I tried to go back at least once a year Mm -hmm. and then um what my tradition is now with um our dad is that I would fly back 
into Frankfurt, catch the train, and then meet him at the train station in Cologne. That's right by this beautiful big cathedral, the Kölner Dom. And then, so if you don't know what you're getting into when you get into the train station and you're leaving a train station in Cologne and it's like, get outside, you just like see this incredible, beautiful, big cathedral, just like right there. Aww. And so I have friends that I tell them where I'm from. It's like, yeah, I had no idea. And then it's just, just like this amazing, you know, church just like, and it's like, yeah. And then all the breweries around there make my favorite beer, Coach. Mm, <laughs> so that's like awesome. And then, yeah, fun fact, if you want to make coach in Germany, um, you have to be able to see the cathedral from your brewery. Otherwise, no you can't call it coach. Yeah. <laughs> does coach so, mean, what does coach mean in German? It doesn't um, mean like cathedral? Like, what is it? No, coach is just like the name of the beer. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know coach if it like derived here, from, okay, yeah. like church. Yeah. yeah, not at all. But it's, it's sort of like it's really small um, glasses, like 200 mil glasses. And so when you go to those breweries, you just order a beer. If you even order one, they might just put one down in front of you anyway. And then <laughs> last time I got that, this guy, the waiter looked at me and said, looks like you need two beer. And I was like, how do you know? Yeah. And he's like, I guess you, you know, just, you know, just by your look in your face. And it's like, yeah, I'm thirsty. I just mm -hmm. travel like way too long to get here. Right. That's your vibe right now. <laughs> Very on brand. I get it. But so like, for people, it. Thank you. okay. For people who've never had Kirch beer before, what is it like? Is it like a, a stronger lager? Like what? Tell, tell. No, it's like one of the lightest beers you can get. It's like okay. a really light, um, light style. And it's just like delicious. And some people say it tastes like water. But, you know. very refreshing that's the word we'll use <laughs> it's, like, it sounds yes. very refreshing. why do they should serve it in such small glasses um well i'd say because then it it's done quicker <laughs> you finish it quicker okay okay because <laughs> no, it's just you nicer know. you just like drink it and then you have like a fresh beer and then you get a new one immediately after so the service is like incredible too so every time you put your almost empty glass down you have a new glass next to it and if you don't want another one you have to put your coaster on top of the glass otherwise it will just keep serving you beer and beer and beer so if you're just like with a cool group of people and just like hanging out and drinking they usually make those marks on your coasters and at some point you kind of like get you know kind of have marks all over your coaster you're like oh it's time to go home <laughs> so fun that's such a good fun fact i would have never known that I am um, because here in the States and I guess then too, when it, it's a smaller glass, it stays nice and cold, probably the temperature at which you want the beer to be drank as well. Because in the States, the smaller glasses usually indicate the ABV in the beverage because they legally can't serve or whatever. You know how wacky the yeah. state laws are here. Um, <clears throat> that's really interesting. And for people who don't know Cologne, like, could you describe it? Is it is there a lot of rolling country? Is it very urban? Cologne is a pretty big city. It's right by the river Rhine. And what is kind of cool, I think, for, you know, any city close to the river, is just like always fun. Um, yeah. It is really multicultural city, like a lot of tourists too, but then also people living from all over the um, world in, in Cologne. So you have really cool um, restaurant scene, food scene, wines, incredible, really cool wine bars and stuff. Um, really cool museums as well, nightclubs. So it's just really a city where you can do anything from, you know, picnic by the river, meeting your friends for a movie night in the summer outside, um, or yeah, going to a nightclub until five or six a.m. You guys, German <laughs> nightclubs, man, like they are no joke. Like it is a best. scene. Yeah. And you will stay out 
all night. Like I'm in bed usually by 8.30. I start the de-beautification process, I call it. So by like nine mm -hmm. o'clock, yours truly is snoring. Like there is no way I'm staying out like until four or five in the morning, like loving it up now. I mean, I'm 43. Oh, yeah. Good for no, you. No, I'm still doing this. <laughs> yeah. Every time I go back to Germany, I think, yeah, last year I went back in March to one of the biggest trade shows for wine in Dusseldorf. And my really good friend lives in Dusseldorf. So I stayed with her and I um, showed up a day early to the trade show just so I could spend some time with her. And we were like, oh yeah, let's go downtown and met with one of my winemakers that I work with. He's one of my best friends from Germany. And we were just like, oh yeah, just get, you know, one glass. And I bought like new white shoes the day before for the trade show. Oh, no. And I was like, well, it's fine. You know, it's just like for, you know, a wine, I can wear them. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the shoes were destroyed. Of course. <laughs> we just like, we did not just go out for one wine, obviously. So then we had dinner and then went to this really cool, cute wine bar um, with an amazing wine cellar downstairs. So the wine owner, the bar owner would take you downstairs and you would just, you know, choose some of the, you know, wines you want to drink for the night. We had some champagne too and like some really cool French wine and just like drank our way through the European wine list pretty much. And then... <laughs> My friend, my friend was like, so I want to show you my favorite club. Are you down? I was like, hell yeah. You're like, yeah, fuck it. Let's mm -hmm. do it. Uh, on, by five o'clock, I think, yeah, totally. I think by five o'clock, we left the club and then had some pizza. Um, you know, you kind of had have to eat something after drinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Makes yeah. you feel better, um, maybe. And then, yeah, just... <laughs> And then boot and reality we home for by trade like show. six-ish. Mm -hmm. oh, the jet like maybe helps like, too. Yeah, what time is the trade show? Like eight? um I think 10 or 11 but oh, it's like oh. all day and it's three days too so oh. yeah but it's just like what this trade show is about too and just you know hanging out with people from the industry um yeah, yeah drinking good for you all good. The drinks. oh I love that <laughs> so you and how old your sibling you guys are what three years apart four years apart uh only 16 months oh so we're really close you're yeah. like Irish twins um your parents just were like let's go come on and we're done like is that Do it? this just, just the two just the two of you just the two of us yeah oh, and it's awesome. been great like we are really really close we pretty much talk every day um I see her several times a year if I can make it work she was in Tanzania for her work the past year so I barely got to see her um in yeah almost all of yeah 2022 or 23 so that was kind of rough but she came over for my birthday last year in August, and then um, I went to see her for Christmas, stayed a little bit longer, New Year's and everything. So that was nice. And she's in yeah. Tanzania right now? No, she was for work, um, but she got back in, I think it was June last year. Okay, so and is she in North June, Carolina? She came back. Mm -hmm. She's in oh. Raleigh, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, and that's how mm -hmm. we know Mike, is through your sister? Yes. Okay, yes. perfect. And who's your sister? Her name is Anna. Anna. We'll give Anna a little shout out. Um, Anna, take good <laughs> care of Mikey. Take good care of my Mikey. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you uh, left Germany and you're like, I'm going to New Zealand and I'm crashing with my mom's best friend. Yes. Right. Okay. How that old were you pretty when much this happened? Um, 19. Perfect. Just about to turn 20, I think. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, let's, let's do this. I booked a flight for... I think three and a half months. I was like, well, I'm only flying that far. It's like a you know oh, two day yeah. trip or something. <laughs> it's, so it's like you it's know, it's well the world. Go. Like it's I like know. a four day fucking flight to get there. 
no of course you're going for a couple of months play ditch the boyfriend you're like fucking out of here see you yeah, later totally. you're gonna meet a cute guy out there like i'm not being tied down to this bullshit <laughs> yeah kind of like you know open to see what happened um yeah and so i started working for her she used to own one of the best um fine dining restaurants in christchurch she had an amazing incredible wine list like there was one of the best wine lists I think I've ever seen and they had um all the awards for it too for you know broadly known wine list and everything and the food was incredible everything was completely made from scratch there was like nothing in the kitchen that was coming from anything you know prepared prepackaged or anything so this is how I got completely I mean even like more involved and like educated on what real food is like honest food and so they were part of the slow food movement movement too, mm. like the slow kitchen. And so, yeah, I was just blown away by how incredible her food was and then how the wine would match with it. And they had this really cool um, French sommelier working for them who is now in Australia. And he just pretty much, yeah, was my mentor the first few weeks of me working there. So he would just sit down with me every night and we would start drinking off dry um, white wines and like some Riesling as well from like the open um, by the glass wine list. And because I had not much wine experience until then. I was drinking, you know, my mom had like some nice Bordeaux wines and stuff. She was like, nice wines, but I didn't really know, knew too much about wines. Um, and then, yeah, so he's... 19. You were 19, like a 19, like... You're still <laughs> developing your frontal lobe, let alone like a wine palette. You know what I mean? Like the fact that you were even exposed to that at 19 is huge. Like most 19 year olds in the States are trying to like suck a deodorant stick to get the alcohol out of it, let alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So give yourself credit. Like you're doing great. <laughs> but in Germany, we're like drinking age was 16 at this point. So. Okay. You know, I mean, you it's, had one, you, to be honest. Yes. No, we are around alcohol. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I lived in so Ireland. We have a different a approach to it. Yes. Yeah. And like it was the 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 pub culture was, I mean, there's little kids running around. Like it, everyone's just exposed to it so early on that it's not a big deal. Like it's, and I think that's how it is in Europe too. Like you just, you're always around it and it's not like a withheld thing from you that I think you learn how to manage it. I'm guessing better than people who can't drink until they're 21. I'd say so. Yes. Yes. I realized that too, when I moved here, um, going out, seeing some of the younger kids when they drink, trying to keep up with you or something, just like yeah. you with like zero experience. And then, yeah, no, nope, not fun <laughs> to no. watch. <laughs> no, no, it's not fun at all to watch. It's really terrifying. No. Like, oh, wow. And it still happens even in like the, I don't know up to the 30s sometimes we're like wow like it happens in your you... 40s like 40s and 50 year olds you see them doing it like it's not they just don't grow out of it and like you either you either grow out of it it becomes really old or the hangovers get so bad that you're like I can't do this anymore or you're just a full-blown alcoholic like there's really not a lot and you just it's almost like sorry my hold on one second I have a golden retriever and he's going to dig behind me oh. like he's yeah trying to find a buried treasure in the carpet and there isn't oh. one no. are you yeah. sure yeah i know he's he does that. he does it in the middle of the night in his sleep he'll start digging the carpet i'm like buddy you're sleep you're sleep digging like he's like sleepwalking and digging at the same time anyway so okay so you're exposed to this beautiful wine list in new zealand you're loving mm -hmm. life you're 19 
Mm-hmm. A couple of months goes by and you're like, I'm not leaving. Yes, exactly. So I called my parents and it's like, hi, I'm going to stay longer. <laughs> yeah, as one does. So, and you didn't need like yeah. a travel visa or you probably did, but it was like for a decent amount of time. Yeah, I had like a work and holiday visa, which you can get for New Zealand as long as you're under 30 um, mm-hmm. for up to an entire year. So I was on a work and holiday visa. Yeah. Perfect. And so I was able to work there and just, you know, spend time. And yeah, so I was just like drinking um, every night, like the most amazing wines just to got to get exposed to wines and getting an idea about you know what works and then talking about food and wine pairing he would guide me through the whole process of thinking about he's like let's go to grocery store you should smell all the different fruit and vegetables and then when you smell the wine try to reconnect them with what you're smelling in the wine it was like a really deep um incredible yeah you know like sommelier class that I took <laughs> without right. even knowing right, but I was right, just right. like so amazed by it and I was like this is incredible and then I did a trip with um, Lisa, my mom's friend. I'm actually named after her. I had no idea until I moved there that I'm named after her. So oh, we love <laughs> that her. That was cool. Yeah. I know. She's the best. Yeah. Um, and we did a trip up to the North Island a little bit. It's like driving around. And then we went back. And then just before we went back in Christchurch, she's like, well, let's stop here. And I was, I don't know why. I was like, you know, sometimes I had grumpy faces too. You know, kind sure. of. <laughs> I'm still kind of maybe teenager like I don't know (laughs) and I was like oh do we have to stop here and then she's like yes you gotta turn here now and I was like okay and then we drove through this beautiful vineyard and then we got to the top and there was this you know tiny house with um tasting room and then next to it was the barrel room and the production side and there was like this really picturesque small winery on the top of the hill facing this yeah, beautiful slopes all around Christchurch. And I was just like, this is amazing. Yeah. And so this is how I met um Daniel Schuster, who's who was then pretty much, I mean, still like one of the pioneers of winemaking in New Zealand. And he made amazing Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And so I was just he went to his cellar and he gave us like a small tasting from his barrels. And then he was like, give me a second. So he walked around his cellar, collected a few different samples, and met like a you know, quick blend and he gave me the wine and said like, here you go what do you think and I was like this is incredible and he's like yeah that's like my reserve wine my Omihi selection wine and that's what I sell for like a hundred dollar a bottle and I was like I want to learn this this was for me like one wow. of those moments I'm like this is incredible to be able to know your wine so well in different parts of barrels and vineyards and then just be able to taste and make something even better and superior from you know similar to cooking you have like certain ingredients mm-hmm. so that you have an idea of how to make them something even better. And I was like, I want to do this. And I cannot work for you. And he's like, oh, totally. So I started working um, at the winery. <laughs> that was Holy like my, crap. <laughs> my um, yeah, starting point in like winemaking. And so I started, I worked at the winery during the day, mainly vineyard work at this point, because it was during, um, um, was it springtime? Yeah, because yeah, around October 20. Or was it 2008 oh my god yeah <laughs> a long time ago yeah um so yeah worked in the vineyard and um in the tasting room as well and he you know showed me all what he was doing and it was just incredible and then at night I would just go back to the restaurant and work in the restaurant and kind of combine the techniques that I like the knowledge I learned from winemaking and being in the winery with how wines were tasting and how they work with wines so kind of and food so it's kind of combining all the different aspects of from growing, making, tasting, and then combining it with food in like this yeah. one time frame in New Zealand. And so I kept calling my parents. I was like, hi, um, I think I'm staying longer. So I ended up staying for almost an entire year. Yeah. Like I have to work harvest now too. And I was like, and I have to do this. And like, 
I'm surprised you're even here. Like I would imagine (laughs) you still being in New Zealand. It sounds absolutely magical. Like I would like to be in New Zealand right now doing that. Like it is an amazing country. Yeah, it definitely was probably until now one of the best years of my life. I mean, you're young and then everything that's like, no, nothing bothers you. You know, my family was doing fine in Germany. My sister was still going to school a year behind me. And so everyone was like happy and healthy. And I was just like, oh, yeah, cool. I just do my year now. And it was for me like life change. Not life, I mean, I don't know, life changing. No, it, it, it was it life changing. Made, yeah, yeah, it made me do what I'm doing today. I was a big part of it. And I'm really happy that I found what I want to do that young and not I agree you know, 10 you. years later or something. Yeah. yeah, because it sometimes, I mean, it took me, I don't know, till I was 40 to figure out what I wanted to do. And so it's it, it's a different but then it, you can look back and like now I have so many skills leading up to that I probably needed to like really thrive in what I'm doing. But for you to be able to dive into it so young and learn so, but then that gives you an opportunity to really flush out within the winemaking industry of mm-hmm. what you really wanted to do because it's not just blending and making wine. Like there's so, yeah. as you know, much that goes into <laughs> this from figuring out the pH balance in the soil and you get a shitty year and like what like the it's yes scratching endless yeah yeah like it's definitely something we can learn new things every day and oh yeah so this is what I did I went back to Germany and yeah because your visa ran up and you're like fuck I gotta get out of here so sad yeah and my sister was about to graduate school so I wanted to be there for her graduation and then we did like a small trip together for a week because then she was going on um one year travel as well so we did both Mm -hmm. like a break year after after school Mm -hmm. um so it's like well I gotta see you before you head out so I flew back to um Germany and then applied for Geisenheim like the um university for winemaking and viticulture in Germany. Okay. And then I started, yeah, I studied winemaking, did my bachelor's degree and then um, also my master's degree in viticulture and enology, like winemaking. Yeah. Okay. So then, so it's funny that you decided to go to school for it rather than doing, just diving into going to another vineyard somewhere in Europe or Germany or, I mean, France, or you've got so many things so close to you that you went to school instead. Why? why um I felt like I needed to know more about the whole background of winemaking there's so much science behind Mm. it with everything from what you just mentioned to you know soil science um biology biochemistry microbiology um how wine chemistry works itself Mm -hmm. and so there was so much that I felt like I had to learn and wanted to learn before getting back into working in in a winery Yes. Yeah. And so in Germany, you're actually supposed to do an internship while you're studying. And you also have to have experience before you start studying there. So it's like a really practical wow. school. So they kind of require you to know something about wine already. You can't just go there and be like, oh, yeah, let's teach me something. So they require a certain standard of knowledge before you start studying there. And so, <clears throat> yeah, it was it was great. I was really excited to um, go and study there. The first I signed up for wine business actually because I was like, well, I don't have that much experience. Maybe I should go for the wine business side and have some winemaking classes, but not fully go into winemaking. And within the first four, six weeks, I was like, no, if I'm doing this, I want to do it the right way and the full way. <laughs> and yeah, so I switched for sure. courses and went full into the winemaking class. And this is how I met um, yeah, amazing friends and winemakers. And most of them are now in my portfolio too. 
that I'm importing wow. right now. So I'm glad that I studied winemaking with them. Yeah, and it was almost like a networking thing mm-hmm. as well. It's that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So you graduate from that, you go and do you do is that where you also do your sommelier stuff as well? Um, well, doing a master's degree, we had quite a few sommelier classes as well. Like mm-hmm. they called it Wines Around the World. We had different sessions where we would learn about different regions and everything. But then after my studying, I worked in distribution for Italian and Spanish wines in Germany. I like was like a sales area manager for like a certain yeah era in mm-hmm. Cologne. And then I did my sommelier degree. It's like called, called WSET. It's like a yeah pretty mm-hmm. well known sommelier degree, level two and level three, just wow. for myself, so that I know how to talk about wine properly and just refresh a few things and know about worlds. Uh, wines from other world and not just German wines or Italian Spanish wines. I want to just like broaden my knowledge in general about yeah wines and wow. the, wines it, around the world. It's a really intense program. I mean that what you did in such a short amount of time in the fact that you're able to retain that amount of knowledge too. It's like <laughs> just from the sommelier classes, like watching Psalm and and all of those docs and just seeing how much knowledge you have to retain. I mean, I can barely brush my teeth. And like, I literally brushed my teeth this morning and I was like, did I just, did I, I like stopped and I was like, did I brush my teeth? I was like, yeah, yeah, toothbrush is wet. I brushed my teeth. Great. I can't, like, I can't, like that, that amount of knowledge that you have to retain is on top of all of your classes and learning how to make wine. I can't even. Yeah. It's like learning by drinking too, though. So a lot of things that you, Okay, learn but- in all those classes is something that you also combine with taste so I feel like if you learn something while you're doing something else with it like if you talk about a wine and you get some input I did I guess um I went to a webinar on uh, a seminar on Tuesday evening about Sanchevese grapes and so you learn about the grape and all the different categories of wine that they make in Italy in different areas with you know Tuscany and stuff and then but you also get to taste the wine so it's really it's much easier to link what you just learned if you have a taste Fair enough. connected with it. It's and more so. after so many tastes um, at that point, then I might start forgetting things because I <laughs> might get a little buzzy pants, <laughs> but I also understand you're not tasting to get buzzy pants. Like Mm-mm. you're really trying to just taste <laughs> to learn. So again, mm-hmm. my 43 year old mind thinks a little differently. So from <laughs> Europe, you're in Germany here you are. This is what now? What year are we in? 2011 ish, 2012 ish, 2013. Um, yeah. So I studied in the bachelor was until 2009. Then did my master's, which took a couple of years as well. Um, yeah. You were no, 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 2009, 2012. I studied the bachelor and then, yeah, until okay. 14, I did my master's ish and then worked in distribution for a few years. And then I was oh, so 2016 small... is when you yes. moved. No, 18 to 18. California, 2018. So to California. let's go over why, because you're yes. in <laughs> the wine region of the world. Like you've got some of the, like, like the people in California are in the beginning, were trying to emulate what was going on in Europe and then deciding mm-hmm. to make wine in California. And it's like, why go to California? You've got the best wine around you in the world. Yes, I lived in California. So, I understand why to move to California, but I'm just saying, <laughs> like, why? Um, honestly, 
I don't even know where this thought came from, but I had this dream that I will make wine in California one day. Okay. Good. And it must have been something that we kind of learned doing, you know, studying and and then never really had many wines either from California at this point. I was just I think I had this idea of this beautiful, sunny state where you make wine and it's, you know, fun and beautiful. Everyone's laid back. <laughs> I love the like... sun. So I'm like, yes, let's go somewhere where it's nice and warm all year round kind of okay. and still be able to make wine. <laughs> right. So in 2018, did you break up with a boyfriend then again? Were you like, peace him out? <laughs> Was there another one that you broke up a with? A couple or... years before that already. No, no. Okay, great. Yeah. So yeah, then, no. yeah, clean. I like that you like a clean slate. She's like, I'm, I'm cutting ties. It's again mm-hmm. a very German thing of you to be like, it's going to go in a very clean box, and this is mm-hmm. that. Yep. Doing it. Yep. And so we moved to California, and then what happened? Mm-hmm. So I moved here in July 2018 to work at this winery as an intern because I wanted to get back into winemaking after working in distribution and you know restaurants and food and wine stuff. So I was like, well, let's go back into winemaking, start somehow small and get an internship to get back into the production side. And so I did that at this really cool winery here in the Central Coast called Chamisol. So that's where I started working. And I got connected to them because I went to see my sister in May in 2018 over in North Carolina. She moved over here a year before I moved to the States. And her friend is later one of the winemakers here at Chamisol. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. She's like, hey, you should reach out to them and see if you can get, you know, internship there. And that's what happened. And I had like a three months notice in Germany for a job. Like you can't just leave your job like you can do over here. And so in June, I decided to leave by the end of July. And my boss was like, nope, you're not. You have a three months contract. Like you have to have, you know, notice is like three months. And I was like, oh, but I really want to go. And he's like, No. And I was like, please, I really need to do this. And he was like, okay, it's not cool, but I totally get it. And I can't keep you, obviously. Um, but, you know, kind of, luckily, there were not the best involved afterwards. So... We're good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, so I moved here in, yeah, 2018, July, and then started working at this winery with Harvest. And I was just, you know, really, really happy. I loved every day of it. And, I was unlucky though. I injured myself um, slicing a pineapple. Oh. Oh, <laughs> I no. came home from surfing and was in the kitchen slicing my pineapple and put the knife on the counter, turned away to open the fridge. And then I could see the knife falling off the counter and I landed on my foot and cut through a couple of tendon. <laughs> so it's like one of those stupid freak accidents that happened to some people and Yes, it happened to me. <laughs> so it was like three weeks in of me living here. And so my roommate came by and he's like, are you okay? You're kind of quiet. And I was like, well, can you see blood? <laughs> he was like, holy shit, we got to go to the emergency room. So okay. I had to have surgery and stuff. So I worked actually my first harvest here on crutches because I could not walk for, I think, over six weeks. I had like this huge cask. I woke up from the surgery and they were like, oh, um, I was like, you just fixed my toe or like what you do to my leg. I had like this massive cast until up to my uh, knee. And I was like, this is insane. Okay, um, but hold on, pause. Did you have health insurance? Yes, German health insurance. German travel insurance, they cover everything. I was fine. Oh my God, thank God. <laughs> Holy shit, thank God. Because I was thinking like you're only an intern in this company in the States. They're not going to give you fucking health insurance. Yep. if you're no, no, I do have German health insurance. Good for you. Yay, mm-hmm. Germany. Okay, thank God. Okay, okay. Phew. I was so worried. I was like, your hospital bill? <laughs> like, 
Yeah, no, that's what everyone thought too. And it was a great service though. They, you know, welcome you with open arms at emergency room. Oh yeah, really until interesting. Like the end. <laughs> They're yeah. like, she has insurance, let's take her in. <laughs> I know, welcome to the States. Yeah, I know, I know, mm-hmm. I know. No universal um, Yeah, so that was my first harvest here. I was on crutches and, but I learned a lot anyway. So it was mm-hmm. really fun. And then I got hired full time and worked in production at this winery until the end of 2020. Um. I got injured again in 2020 <laughs> at work. What, so I do? had like a shoulder in, I don't know. I, yeah, I was like uh, definitely on the strike. I had so many injuries. I was like, should I leave this country? Is it a bad sign? It's like, oh, what's going on here? I was about to just be like, pack up my bag and like, I should go back. This yeah. is something wrong with this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so 2020, I had a shoulder injury at work and then still worked harvest with it though. And then had surgery at the end of 2020. And so 2021 for me was kind of now recovering from a surgery. And I was like, what if I can't go back into winemaking? I moved here for winemaking and I didn't know if I could actually be able to, you know, go back into it. And the recovery took so long and it was so painful. And um, over and the rehab on it and everything else, like yeah. it's it's a big deal. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, the feeling when you're injured and you're not at home, you know, yeah. you're far away from home. And I was just like, I was craving German wine. You know, it's sure. like, I need some Riesling. I need You're depressed. Tastes like home, you know? Yeah, 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 sure, sure. I guess <laughs> so that. So I went to this wine shop and met my, now one of my best friends, Mary, and I was like talking to her. I was like, why don't you have like cool German wine here? Like, what's the deal? Like, where are the, you know, cool producers, young winemakers, the newcomers, the white ones? And she's like, oh, we don't really have them. Usually it's just, you know, everyone has the same German wines. And I was like, huh, that's kind of boring. It's like, would you buy them if I would import them? And he's like, yeah. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should change direction while I'm recovering from my surgery because I know if I can go back into winemaking. And so I reached out to my friends in Germany. I was like, hey, guys, um, how are things? Would you be interested in working with me on (laughs) a new adventure? (laughs) And it was, you know, a pandemic too. And German wineries don't have a wine club set up like most wineries in America do. So they are they are relying on restaurants going well where they sell their wines to and then having wine fests where people come to the wine estates and hang out and party and everything. So it's like a really close contact sales usually where mm-hmm. in America with like the wine club, you have a reoccurring sales that gets go mm-hmm. through. And so they were definitely struggling with the whole like um, during COVID and especially Germany had really, really strict COVID rules. So mm-hmm. there was not much happening at all. It was kind of crazy. Um and so they were like, yeah, totally down to work with me on importing into America. So I looked into everything I needed to get done. I found a LLC. I got my licenses ready for importing. Um, I got one license for distribution so I can sell wines to retailers and restaurants within California. And then I also have a DTC license so I can sell direct to consumer, which is something that most importers mm-hmm. don't really offer. So I pretty much cover every channel of how to sell alcohol to anyone. Just wow, that's so smart. The, yeah, it's like that's how we do it in Europe, and I was like, there must be a way to do it over here too. So I found, <clears throat> I found the way. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't easy, and I bet there was a lot of googling, and on top of that, just like a lot of fucking red tape to to navigate because mm-hmm. every state their laws are so different. Their liquor laws yeah. and like where you can buy it and how you can buy it and can you ship it and where does it go and like all that totally. bullshit. It's yeah. not universal. So- so, and all like the paperwork too, but I guess gym enough to be good at paperwork. <laughs> yeah. So as an importer and a distributor, like 
do you need to, when you import the wine in, do you need to hold it somewhere until <laughs> like somebody buys? So do you have like a big warehouse? Like, tell me yes. more. Okay. So, <laughs> so when I, so just to circle back quickly, I went to Germany yeah. in 2021. I met with the wineries and tasted the wines with them. I made a decision on what I want to import. And then I got all the labels ready for the import, talked to the logistics company and it was, you know, peak of pandemic kind of still. So shipping was incredibly expensive my first quote that I got for the shipment doubled by the time to actually ship the wines so I ended up paying way too much money for the first order but I was like well I gotta go for it I need a wine yeah. and then it took them from I think I pretty much had the order ready and the wines ready to go by September of 2021 and the wine didn't get here until April 2022 so I officially launched my company in April 2022 with my first wine shipment and then so when a wine gets to America, it has to go to a, customs, like a certainly like um to a warehouse. And so this warehouse has like I have a certain alcohol license to store alcoholic beverages. So I'm renting some space, or, you know, a paper case um for my wines. They're stored in a warehouse because I don't have space. No, <laughs> right. Home. In your home. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Too much sure. wine. And also this, the temperature needs to, you know, be perfect. So yeah. everything comes temperature controlled with the shipping company um, and gets trucked straight to my warehouse where it's stored and, you know, perfect conditions. So nothing can happen to the wines. And then when a wine get, gets here, I taste them as well to make sure nothing happened during the trip, even though, you know, they are temperature controlled, but I don't know, you know, I'm not there with the wine. So I can't right, tell. Right. So I'm just like to make sure. And also traveling can kind of, um, you know, annoy the wine in a way. So yeah, they can like shake to them taste up. the wine since of, um if they're good to sell right away if I should <clears throat> um keep them a little bit longer before I start selling them so yeah I have my warehouse and then I they do deliveries too for me when I ship wines to restaurants and stuff so I can mm -hmm. call and be like hey can you you know get these wines over to those restaurants they just ordered some and then they will be shipped either yeah shipped or delivered and then same with my wine club so with my direct-to-consumer sales option it's really cool that I'm able to offer my wines directly to you so if you want to buy my wines you don't have to go and find a retailer that works with me who might have like four of my wines you have the full portfolio and then with my wine club you are technically a wine club member of currently eight different wineries so I make mm. a selection of eight different wines or six different wines per shipment from all of these wineries and then depending on the season depending on the holidays coming up or you know the weather and then also how the wines taste because I make mm -hmm. a decision too if I feel like they're ready to drink right now or if they're some wines go through changes in their life so some of them you know it's like mm -hmm. almost like every half a year wines kind of change and so I kind of taste them too and be like well this is not great right now so I kind of hold back on selling them sell something else and then go back to them and so yeah I'm able to offer wines from all these different wineries directly to the consumer and educate about the wines and talk about them so you learn about different wineries wine regions um you taste great varieties that we don't even have over here in california so it's like a really cool i think concept to drink something new and also drink like a german because these are actually wines that the winemakers produce in germany for the german market and it's not something that's just made for a certain market you know sometimes mm -hmm. ex imported wines are to please like a certain stereotype you know, like German Riesling used to be known for being sweet. Yeah. So everything that got exported into yeah. the US from Germany was sweet Liebfraumilch, like this yeah. blue bottle, yeah. like weird, weird sweet wine. Almost and like so, Moscato, like so, like the dessert wine almost. Like it was so sweet. Yeah. And yeah. so this is like a stereotype that German 
wines still have, especially Riesling. And so what I'm working on right now is trying to educate about, no, we actually make amazing wines. Most of them are dry. And some are very dry, like bone, bone, bone dry. Yeah. Yeah. And a really good acid structure too and like complexity to it. And it's like really fun, interesting wine. So so I'm always, my new model is now like, yeah, drink like a German because I get the wines okay. directly from Germany and yeah. they are made for the German market. So you're not drinking anything that's made to please, yeah, a certain mm-hmm. stereotype or fit into like certain, you know. Yeah. So when you get the, and this is just, just asking, you don't have to answer this. When you get the wines, do you prepay the wine, like the, the vintners or do you pay, like, how does that work? Because they're sending you so much wine and then you're storing it and then it's just it's a lot of product that and the thing with the wine is that like you just said some of it you sit on some of it you sell some of it you don't sell like how do you get paid i understand how you get paid by like people buying it off of you but then do you then pay the the vintners like what tell tell me tell me i'm dying to know okay no you have to pay them you have to pay them and like you know ahead of time Mm, not ahead of time timely manner some of them the new one is I work with, some of them ask me to prepay half of the invoice just so that they know because I haven't worked with me before. And if I haven't yeah, met them before, sure. or like I don't know them that well. Um, but usually, yeah, you have like a time. It's a um, lot of money up front. You have to. Yeah, totally. That's why um, it was definitely a risky business to get into. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's illegal like- to do um, commission-based sales. So I couldn't even be like, oh, yeah, let's, you know, give me the wine. And then if I don't sell it, I send it back to you. That's illegal in America. So I have to yeah. make sure, you know, like wine is owned by me. Yeah, with so- yours. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, so you, you I bought have a it. lot of wine. Yeah, you have a shit ton of wine. Okay. <laughs> so um, now we're kind of talking about German wines right now, but could you... Like when someone's drinking, and this might be very generic, German wines, are there certain tasting notes that make it distinctly German versus getting wine from a different place in the world? Um, Yeah. So to me, German wines definitely have a really unique and distinct flavor. So especially Riesling, I think is like obviously our flagship wine. That's what we are known for. And we're the biggest producer for Riesling in the world. So producing or drinking Riesling from Germany, because I did like plenty of tastings too in America where we drink local Californian Riesling and see how mm-hmm. they compare. And they make decent ones too. But I think it's something about the soil as well and the microclimate in Germany that makes German Riesling so unique. Riesling in general, you can always tell that it's a Riesling. So there's something unique about a grape variety that's really easy to, you know, you smell it and you're like, oh, that's a Riesling. And then it's usually also that you know, it's a case that you're like, oh, this is a German Riesling. So there's something really unique in particular about German German Rieslings. I think it's the soil. Um, what does it smell coming... like to you? Like, what does a German Riesling smell like? If you had to like, I mean, a tennis ball, like, what is it? Tell me, <laughs> tell me what, like, if you did put a descriptor on it, like, give me a descriptor. Um, so Riesling are really aromatic wines. So you definitely have a lot of um, aromas coming from the glass when you pour a Riesling. Then you have a lot of, I mean, it's like typical, you know, usually like stone fruit, um, peaches, um, honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. What I like a lot is like flintiness on the wine. So like Ooh. a hint of reduction that makes them, some say minerality to it. Like, yeah. Yeah, some different, me too. Um, you know, like, yeah, almost like smoky sometimes, which comes from the soil, but also from type of fermentation. And so they're just like really, really complex 
wines and it's so interesting and they they evolve so much in your glass too so you start you pour a glass and you taste them and you're like oh that's awesome and then you wait a little bit and it just like changes and opens up and over time especially when the h3 sling the fruit aromatics go away and then it's all about the depth of the wine where they're coming from so you actually get to taste more of the soil where it's coming from the microclimate and um the style of winemaking too how much least contact i have during the production so the wine just it's like there's like so much to read into in those, mm. to those wines it's like so complex and interesting and even like the more um entry-level wines that i can sell for around 20 something dollars over here they are just incredible and like really interesting wines compared to something you can buy at a grocery store or you know even like some of the wines at wineries just like the cheaper wines around here it's just like really different story Oh, yeah, for sure. You're being yeah. kind about that. Um, So <laughs> how long can you age a Riesling for? Because I would never think to age a Riesling. Oh, well, I think there's no limit on that one. That's really? like the incredible thing. I worked harvest in 2023 at my friend's winery. And we would open some of them, you know, 76 Riesling and just you know, have them. <laughs> it's like oh, the incredible sure. wines. Like Riesling have an amazing agent potential. So these wines are definitely something that you can put in your cellar, forget about it, age them at perfect conditions, and then mm-hmm. open them 30, 40 years later. So the wow. wines that I have right now are fairly young. I actually reordered some of the older vintages. I mean, 2018, um, just not old yet, but just because Riesling needs a little bit of time. And then I do have some younger ones, like 2021, but they will change so much over time too. So it's definitely, I think I would always buy at least six of them, mm-hmm. have a few now, and then have a few, a few years later, and then keep some later. Some people just like to take tasting notes too, and write down how the wine tasted when they actually bought them, and then kind of see how they evolve. It's always interesting too, to talk to the winemaker, if you can, or the person who's selling them to see what they recommend aging-wise. So I usually have on my website too, a small note with like ageability and drinkability where I'm like, well, you can drink it now, but you can also keep it for another five or 10 years. Mm. Um, And then also think about the vintage, how hot it was, how quickly it will evolve and ripen in a bottle. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, yeah, input about, you know, aging, ageability of wine, but yeah. I think recently one of the coolest ones. Like white That's wine really cool. Too. I never would have guessed that. And I mean, my my husband is obsessed with Rieslings, German Rieslings, obsessed. He likes- Love it. I um, sent you some. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> he likes some that are on the, not sweet side, but like off, I guess it would be, off, is that off dry? Is like mm-hmm. running the line kind of thing. And yes. I, okay. And I, I tend to like more, slightly more dry, minerally wines personally, but- mm-hmm. Um, Riesling goes with a lot of food and we're going to get into that in a second, but before we get into that, I wanted to ask if there's any lesser known winemakers or producers that you'd love to highlight for people to experience right now. Well, all the ones in my portfolio, are lesser known ones. So that's why I also chose them because right now they're part of my portfolio and it's pretty much the young winemakers, the white ones the newcomers so they actually they most of them took over their parents winery and completely re um created the whole story of the winery and their own philosophy and brought the whole new idea of how they want to make wine into the production what i think is incredible so it's definitely something that 
none of the wines you have had in the US before. So I'm exclusive for all of them. You don't see them anywhere else. It's just like me or no one <laughs> who mm -hmm. has these wines. Um, unless you're a retailer and I'm selling them to you. That's, you know, different story. Mm -hmm. But um, so it's kind of cool. So I'm definitely working on having wines from smaller producers, family owned. They work with... Um, really close with nature so they're on their own vineyards they're really into sustainability and being regenerative to create an environment for you know future generations too unless they have children as well so they want to you know have a land and a future for their children too if they you know maybe even decide to go into winemaking as well um but then I'm also thinking or like looking into now getting some more of the more traditional producers as well, because that's what German wines is about as well. We started somewhere and we have such a long history of winemaking in Germany that I feel like I also want to showcase what the tradition, traditional winemakers are doing still, even mm -hmm. though some of them have young winemakers now as well. So, you know, it's still shifting in between, but they stick to the tradition. And mm -hmm. so I think it's really cool. Like, I think I want to do it at least. I think it's cool. Oh, <laughs> if yeah. You have like a different range of um yeah the young and wild ones and newcomers versus some of the more traditional wineries and have the yeah techniques that um they want to work with and have been doing for over 100 years no i think that's really cool um so we have a couple of listener questions would you like to dive into them absolutely that's okay cool. great <laughs> so vance from instagram wrote i'm a wine newbie i like what i like but I would like to get more into wine. What is the difference between organic wines versus natural wines versus just regular wine? Is there a benefit to drinking one versus the other? Well, there's, <laughs> okay. I could probably talk about an hour <laughs> to answer this question totally. now, but I keep it short. First, um, organic wine. All the wines I am importing right now are organic. Mm-hmm. They are organically certified, most of them under the European law. Mm -hmm. But to import them into America and call them organic, they weren't they wouldn't be allowed to add any sulfur to the wine. So the, every country, every continent, every wine producing country has different regulations on the organic certification process. So I cannot call them organic. So if you drink organic wines from Europe, they will have have they have some added sulfur. What I think personally is totally fine to do. A wine without sulfur works as well, but you know, generally speaking, I think um, it's totally fine, especially because it's a natural occurring product in wine. So when the yeast is fermenting and eating the sugar and makes produces alcohol, it also produces sulfur. It's like a natural occurring component of um, fermentation. So this is why I'm kind of hesitant sometimes about organic wines from the US because it just doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't be allowed to add sulfur. And so do you I add have... the sulfur or do you have the sulfur taken out if it's an organic wine? Because if it's naturally occurring and it's naturally already being produced, then if does that mean like some at some point during the winemaking process they had to remove it somehow? No. So what they do is they say on the label um contains only Sulfates. naturally only oh. naturally occurring sulfites. Okay. If it's a wine without added sulfites. Um, okay. And then other than that, you just say it contains sulfites. But okay. the organic means that you cannot add more than 10 ppm, like 10 okay. parts per million. So that's like a, you know, it's like a really, really low. It's like pretty much just like, just leave yeah, it. It's like it's not there. So <laughs> what what does a sulfite do? Like what, why, why is it, why is it a big deal? Um, so sulfur is um, 
protecting the wine from oxidization. So it definitely preserves the wine. It mm. also stabilizes the color and it also so keeps it from um, microbial spoilage too. So it's like, it's like something that you, if you open, you know, any dried fruit from mm -hmm. the grocery store, they have a ton of sulfur in them, way more than wine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, that's definitely, <clears throat> so sulfur is like a, um, yeah, something you, it's totally natural and like totally fine to have in wine. There are thresholds, there are limits too. So you cannot just add anything you want. And also you would you would smell it and taste it. So it's just mm -hmm. like a little bit to preserve the wine and make it shelf stable. And so, yeah, I totally agree with using sulfur. Okay, does it like affect you when you drink it differently? If you do, if you have a wine that has extreme low sulfites versus one that has a normal amount. So people ask me this a lot they're like oh do i get headaches from sulfites and it's like no it's the alcohol yeah so yeah so the, the sugar <laughs> yeah 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 it's the and there's not much sugar in most wines either so it's definitely the alcohol you know yeah. the more you drink the more headache you'll get most likely yeah. um so <laughs> yeah and then i mean some people have a sensitivity to sulfur but it's usually if you have allergic reaction to the wine it's because of histamine intolerance rather than a sulfite allergy Mm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. a you know slightly different story and then it's also about cross um cross reactions too let's say if you are kind of sensitive to histamines and you eat like a really ripe cheese like one of those you know soft cheese like really smelly ones and then mm -hmm. you add some wine to it that you might break out you know that might be something that your body cannot handle because it's maybe mm -hmm. too much Mm -hmm. I would be really devastated if I can't handle that anymore. <laughs> oh, it'd be so sad. It'd be so sad. Like, Why live? Why go on? <laughs> Take me now. Take me now. Yeah, totally. Totally. So that would be like really tricky to deal with. Um, but yeah, so it's more about combinations too and how you how your body reacts to them. But I think sulfites from yeah, what I learned and what I've been experienced so far. It's mm -hmm. yeah. So then what about so we kind of touched on organic wine, regular wine. What about natural wine? Okay, so natural wines, um, definitely a big hype right now. Yeah, it's on trend. It's been on trend for a it's few years. everywhere, so. yeah. And what but is what's really funny is, like, isn't all wine natural? Like, it, like, what defines a natural wine? So that's the thing. Like, the definition for natural wine means that it's farmed sustainably or organically. Okay. So <clears> one or the other. This is too. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we want to, you want to take care of the land. But it's, I think, a good thing to have. Absolutely. You know, or do um and then they it says no additives for the wine and then they usually use low sulfites too but it's not necessarily <clears throat> there's like no there's no law for it there's like no natural wine law they're just like mm -hmm. guidelines and ideas of how they define natural wine um what is fine and i do think it's important to know what you're drinking and what you're putting into your body same with like mm -hmm. eating so if you buy packaged food and you don't even know what's in there. Look in the ingredients list and it's like insane. So um, thinking about how wine is made originally, it's grapes, you press them or ferment them on the skins, you let them age, you time does its thing and then you filter them maybe and then you bottle them and then you consume them and you have some sulfur added to it. This is like the most natural way of winemaking. <clears throat> and in... From my experience, most wineries that I used to work with and have been around in Europe work that way. So smaller producers are really clean productions. They don't really add anything to their wines. And 
So when I started with my company, I wouldn't even like consider calling my wines natural or low intervention wines because to me, that's how wine is supposed to be made. <laughs> <laughs> In a perfect world, and, yes. And, and now yeah. I'm like, whoa, I have to change how I, you know, phrase and how I market my wines because all of these wines are, you know, technically natural wines and yeah. low intervention wines. I think money low intervention or like natural wines also say they shouldn't be filtered. Um, but even if you don't filter a wine, you can rack a wine really, really clean off the lease and there's nothing left. The wine is like clear, sparkling mm-hmm. clear. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, did different opinions about natural wines. Um, I'm getting more and more into it too. I'm mm-hmm. honestly not a fan of the ones that I they can barely see through. They look, they taste and look like vinegar. You've forgotten in the back of your, you know, cupboards for years. Mm-hmm. This is not wine to me. So I think a really amazing winemaker who is able to make an outstanding product from just using grapes and some sulfur, maybe even no sulfur too. This is, I think, what, you know, natural like high-end winemaking is all about. And if you talk to the famous producers, that's how they make wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, I agree. Yeah, totally a thing. So, um, but then if you now go to your wine shop and you ask for natural wine, they will give you an orange looking um probably hazy you know, kind mm-hmm. of wine and you open it and it almost reminds you to of like flavors of i don't know maybe you know cider ish yeah cider ish or almost <laughs> like a really or... hazy ipa or like yeah. there's there's almost this um hoppiness to it in a way yeah. some some of them that you're like yeah this isn't wine this isn't so it's a style it's you a know, style and... yeah Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't call them natural. That's like a thing. Like it's like really hard. It's more like a different style of it, um, of wine. So I don't mm-hmm. really, I'm not, yeah, it's kind of tricky to make a distinction between, yeah, natural wines and normal wines. So I think to me, it's more important that you have a high quality, low intervention mm-hmm. wine. If you're looking for natural wine, make sure that you know how to describe what you're looking for. So mm-hmm. you can also ask for um, and sustainable organically you know potentially farmed and made low intervention wine rather mm-hmm. than having a natural wine mm-hmm. like full natural wine with like yeah but then I do have some of my in my portfolio too that are actually called natural style wine because the winemaker chose not just um filter them and they are kind of hazy and they do taste really good too so there's mm-hmm. always that as well yeah, so if you sure. know what you're doing, it's fine. But then there are also wines out there. You taste them. It's like, wow, this winemaker just didn't pay attention at all and just bottled it and called it natural. I saw one wine at the wine shop in, in Raleigh and there were like heavy, thick chunks in there. And it looked like there was, I don't know. I have no idea what it was. I cannot tell you. It looked oh, like sediment. No, I, I can't even say this. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, I've gotten, I had a really old bottle from like, 1970 something of a I think it was a Groth cab and um I had to use a coffee filter on it because there was so much sediment in it because it was so chunky but you know I mean that shit but sediments are fine that's something that happens naturally over time yeah in a a bottle yeah that doesn't and like many red wines aren't filtered so I totally agree with when you make a red wine even like white wines if you are able to wreck them clean um you the wine has more flavor so Mm -hmm. filtration can take out quite a lot of um aromatics from the wine Mm -hmm. so if you can work without it it's totally cool but for red wine the sediments also um solidify over time too and then Mm -hmm. settle on the bottom of the bottle so that's like something older wines just generally have yeah 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, next question. Raquel in New York writes, what wines are you most excited about that will come out this year? Oh, okay. Well, um, I am a big sparkling wine fan myself. Ooh, me too. So, and so Germany actually produces outstanding, traditionally method produced sparkling wines. They call them Zekt. And so um, okay. German Zekt is pretty difficult to find in the u.s i've never had it before i've never heard of it i've never had it i'm like now i'm like i gotta have it what is it tell me more i saw a guy um walking down the street one day and he had a shirt on do you want to have zekt and i was like i want this t-shirt like i want this guy (laughs) in this t-shirt yeah yeah yeah, for sure great call (laughs) yeah Uh so yeah so german zekt is um like our champagne technically and there are a couple of reasons for why it's really hard to find them over here first of all we love the sparkling wine that we make most of the wine that is produced so it in leave germany the country yeah does not leave the country no it definitely stays <laughs> for sure i get that so i'm really proud of our german uh, sparkling wine um but then also the regulations for importing sparkling wine and how the labels have to look like for sparkling wine in the us are definitely tricky so oh. there are so many regulations and rules. And so if the producer is like not really, they're all really small producers. So it's kind of difficult for me to ask them money. to hold yeah. back wine and just print labels for me. So some of them do it and it's like incredible that they can and that they're doing this and making this effort. But that's why I love working with you know them because they, they want to make this all work. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is like another reason that it's really hard to get a label approved for sparkling wine to get them I wonder into. why so I can t- <laughs> so oh, every yeah. time you mention if you want to like every time you mention a grape variety on the label it also has to state sparkling wine right after it so if I have a German bottle it's already labeled and it says Riesling on the front and then Brut is not enough it should say Riesling sparkling wine Brut ah but I cannot just like over sticker anything I cannot put like an extra right. sticker next to it that says sparkling wine and I could not have it above it on another right. because it has to be right next to it and so if the wine's already labeled then it's like well i cannot get this wine into the country or i have yeah. to ask a winemaker to peel off the wine label mm-hmm. actually had one one had to do this because it says the wine is um explosive experience because it was a pet oh yeah no no it's not good and so customs. he had to no. unpeel you know <laughs> to yeah. peel off yeah. the label and change it and then he also had to change the sulfur addition how he called it and everything it was just yeah, they had a lot of work with me, those mind makers. <laughs> I bet. But we managed. <laughs> oh, I bet. What is it similar to? I mean, I don't want, let's not say champagne, because champagne is, is it like similar to like a cava or a prosecco? Like, tell me. So you get every range of sparkling wine pretty much produced in Germany. So you get the easy drinking fun ones just to have mm-hmm. you know, in your fridge pretty much every day. And mm-hmm. then we have the high end ones too. They are reminding they taste similar to champagne. So they actually mm, made, mm-hmm. they have a lot of these contact. You have to get the brioche notes, the nuttiness, mm-hmm. but still um, like great freshness. The ageability is really incredible too. So I am getting like a huge shipment in, in a couple of weeks actually. And it's all about, there are a lot of sparkling wine in there. Um, wow. So I'm really excited about these sparkling. I'm really for, excited too. For, for the this. springtime too. Um, one of them is the Blanc de Blanc, um, mm. which just won first prize for... Um, um, in his in his category, thirty eight month least aged um, of a Burgundy white grape variety. So he mm. just won the first prize in one of the you know sparkling wine competitions in December. So I'm getting one of his wines in from Jens Wettervindisch. 
And then I have a new producer I'm working with, Griso um, Zek. He's one of the um, up and new coming sparkling wine houses in Germany. So it's like really, really cool. Some of his wines, they have, um, have a reserve wine coming in 2014 vintage. I'm only getting 48 bottles and that's all that's left on the market to actually purchase. And they have like over 96 packer points. And so I have like those 48 bottles and I'm just like, okay, who's allowed to have one? Yeah. <laughs> and who wants to drink one with me? <laughs> I do. I'm coming. I do. Yes. Please. Yeah. Come to yes, California. Please. There you I go. Know, right? <laughs> Holy shit. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So it's like really incredible that I get to work with like these, you know, cool winemakers who make incredible products that no one knows about yet, because I think it's, I mean, it's not easy. You still have to do your job if you sell like a big brand. But it's, mm -hmm. I think it's way more challenging and fun if you're mm -hmm. able to introduce someone new and tell their story and how they work. And because I'm new as well with my company, so it kind of works really well with, you know, my wineries as well. I think that they, you know, started yeah. somewhere from scratch too, just a few years before I did, or took over their parents' production and we um, um, defined themselves and, you know, yeah, made sure. their business work. And so... I was like so excited too when I saw my wines getting in here. I was like first shipment got here and it was one of the wines I used to work at and I saw the packaging. Aww. I was like, oh like my babies, <laughs> my babies. That's awesome. Um okay, Claire from Instagram writes, I love hosting dinner parties and I always want to pick the perfect wine to go with what I'm serving. I know I can ask a local wine shop for ideas, but taste is so subjective. What are some of your favorite wine pairings that might be atypical or you wish people knew more about? Oh, okay. Um, so what did we do? So for example, um, what I like a lot, what's something more strange is sparkling wine and um, kettle corn. Like caramel, sea salt, kettle really? corn. This is like, I listened on a few podcasts the other day and you talked about popcorn too. And I was like, she should have some sparkling wine with that one. <laughs> I want to. I'm like, <laughs> so it's not really like a food, yes. not like a cooking thing, but you know, that's kind of what it's like really fun to do. I'm um, so potato in. chips work with most wines too. Like potato chips and wine is like really fun. Mm -hmm. um, what I had the other day, which I thought was really delicious, was um, it was a baguette, some nice um, French butter. A little bit of salt and then um roquefort cheese mm -hmm. um with uh rose wine mm. which is um with like really low alcohol mm -hmm. so you know it's kind of a fun thing to do mm -hmm. then salmon mm -hmm. i think works really well with a rose or a lighter pinot noir so that's mm -hmm. something you know it's like not really that typical mm -hmm. um what else do i like to pair with um don't Definitely you think like Riesling a... and spicy food go so good together, like Thai or... Oh, totally. Yeah. That's like a, yeah. more like a classic oh, combination okay, for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not for like More like yeah. strange ones, but yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Definitely yeah. the Asian cuisine with um, Riesling is always mm -hmm. great, like a curry dish or something too. Oh, yeah. So good. So but then I also... I do yeah. like... Um, I do like steak tartare or like carpaccio. This yeah. is like something I like to carpaccio. I would probably even like recommend something more like a um Chianti would work, mm. like Sanchovese. Mm -hmm. It's really fun with that. Or you can go more classic and have a Chablis or like you know, lighter Chardonnay style with it. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know. I'm usually tend to go with the classic combinations. Of just course. because there's definitely reason for them. But then it also depends on how you prepare the food. 
Sure. So, yeah. But if she wants to reach out to me, I'm always down. I can share yeah. some things too. I made actually a recipe the other from my last wine club shipment. I released a recipe um, with German potato pancakes, Reibekuchen. And I would serve them with um, cured salmon, some chives, and then sour cream. Mm-hmm. And then I would have a skin contact Pinot Gris with it. Ooh. So that's like a really, you know, not really typical combination either. But mm-hmm. it worked so well because the Pinot Gris mm-hmm. has a lot of backbone to it and a good acid structure. So it works well with the greasiness. So if you kind of just go back and look about, think about the the food itself and like how it's structured, mm-hmm. was, is the, vi- the wine as well. So you kind of, you know, if you need more, if it's like an oily dish, get more acid-driven wine. So this is why all the German wines work so well with all the food because they have this acid structure too that lifts up and works with the um with the grease in the food yum so, oh my god i you love have, that. like a really yummy like you know cheeseburger with like blue cheese and mm-hmm. arugula and stuff you could totally have one of those um yeah skin fermented or skin contact pinot gris with them too um i'm yeah, salivating that's... right now <laughs> like <laughs> sal- it's two o'clock here and i'm like <laughs> And I already ate lunch. Like, lunch time. Oh, okay. No, oh, no, 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 girl. Come on, American. That shit happened at noon. Um, all right. Rosa from Instagram writes, I don't know a lot about German wines and I'm a red wine drinker. Is there any German reds you would recommend to try or is it really just about the white wines? No. So thanks to climate change, we can also make pretty... <laughs> It's happening. Climate change is happening. Um, we can sure. make red wine too. Okay. So I'm actually getting with my next shipment, I'm getting a Cabernet Franc in from mm. um, Stuttgart area from my really good friend, David. Wine is called Siegloch. He also has a really cool Merlot. So I'll mm. get some Merlot and Cabernet Franc from him. I do have quite a few Pinot Noir as well yeah. from different producers all over Germany. Most of them are like in the southern areas of Germany for the mm-hmm. wine growing parts. So yeah, no, totally. Like red wine is totally a thing now. Um, it kind of depends on what you're looking for and how heavy you want to go. Yeah. Um, they're more elegant. I would compare them more to like French or Northern Italy, you know, yeah. style wise, not California, Paso or Napa. This is no. like not quite what we're going with. <laughs> no. And it's also not like a Southern uh, equator type red. Like you're not getting Mm-mm. deep yeah. blends. I mean, these are very delicate and light and gorgeous and yeah. fruit forward in the best way possible. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Though. Yeah. Very delicious. We love that. Bella in Portland writes, if someone was going to buy some wine to have on hand to drink, and spend 20 to 30 dollars a bottle what would you recommend okay so we'll join your wine club number one and we'll we'll talk yes. all about that in a second but if <laughs> to you... get your discount and yeah, everything. exactly yeah. exactly um mm-hmm. so i think good value wines and you i look like just like international wines or american I mean, wines just in general Should i'm I... guessing okay. in general yeah okay um i I would not buy wines at a grocery store. It's like one of the things I don't buy meat and I don't buy wine at a grocery store. Mm -hmm. These are like my two main things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, it's just, you never know what you're getting. You know, not the quality. You can't ask questions about, you know, what is. Mm -hmm. And I like to support retailers and yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's like one of the things, but then aromatic white grape varieties. So everything Mm. from... But I have my portfolio would be like Alpling, Pinot Gris, Riesling. Mm-hmm. They're all in like between the 20 and 30 
dollar range, mm -hmm. which are really easy drinking and fun and clean. Some of the rosés too, like Pinot Noir rosé, mm. have a, like a weird obscure variety. It's called Domina, and it's actually a blend of Pinot Noir and um, Portuguese. Like those two great varieties have been crossed and made like this, you know, really fun drinking. Yum. <laughs> red grape variety. Um, yeah, so if you can, depending on where you live, you should also check out your local wineries and see yeah. what they have. If they have entry-level white wines and maybe even red wines you can drink, see if you like them. Um, join their wine club too if you have like a favorite winery to support them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I think it's kind of like what I would look for. And then, yeah, go to your local re retail shop. They usually have wines by the glass too. You can, you know, taste them mm -hmm. and see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And um, depending on where you live, you can also join your favorite winery that might not be local, but somewhere else or join your wine mm -hmm. club. Because yes. um, if you live I would in love certain, that. <laughs> right. If you live in certain regions in the States, your wine, no offense. Um, I mean, there's a wine for everybody, but at least the ones I like don't, uh, I, I don't want to bash anybody's winery, but um, there's certain regions in the, in the United States that make better wine than others in my personal opinion yeah it's just did you know there's wine made in every single state in america i do and i've i probably tasted half of them and let me tell oh, you after go. a couple of bottles when you're <laughs> tasting these wines like for example okay i'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names but have you heard of the finger lakes region in yes okay have you been no okay so let me paint you a little picture it's the classic uh american type of region where there's a bazillion little wine shops that are attached to wineries that it's like one little wine bus after another dumps almost like a cruise ship dumps, throws <laughs> up the people. They stumble in, they drink this wine. It's all very sweet, either fruit wines or whites or uh Cayuga or, you know, like real, real classy, classy gals. And then you're half in the wrapper and you're like, I will take a case. This is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. I'll take a case of it. And then you stumble back on these stupid little buses and you go and you do this all day long. So then you leave and you're not in Napa. You're not, you're not anywhere. You're in upstate New York in a Finger Lake. And then you leave and you bring this shit back to your house and you're like, oh, I'm going to make this gorgeous salmon salad, like whatever. And you like, oh, let's open that bottle we got in the Finger Lakes. And then you open it and you, first thing you say, what the fuck were we thinking when we bought this? Because that's what it tastes like. It tastes literally like, what the fuck were we thinking? Like, no exaggeration. I've done this multiple times. Not just once. Not just twice. But three fucking times I've done this. And I've made the mistake mm. every single time. Have you ever been they to- get um, you at those tasting rooms. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Temecula. Mm. Have you ever been to Temecula down? Yes. Okay. So it's like that. But Similar experience. Bigger. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. No tea, no shade on the wineries in Temecula. I'm sure there's something there for everybody, but the exact same experience. Yeah. It depends on, you got to have a purpose for the tasting, like a theme. So if you want to go to Temecula. It's called getting drunk. It's literally called getting drunk. Like that's the <laughs> that's theme. The theme if the you go there. <laughs> Don't you think? Like there's not, you're not going to like get the fucking, like and they the way they describe it, they're like, yes, the way that the valleys converge and the ocean breeze just 
wisps over these wineries and I'm like I'm in the middle of the fucking desert like okay great like I, I buy this no ocean point. breeze no <laughs> no I see tumbleweed rolling by like you're just serving me some fucking cheap champagne yeah. and I am buying it no problem I'll yeah. take a case but I do this too when I go wine tasting um because I'm in the industry I don't have to pay for tastings usually so I buy a bottle yeah and so yesterday I actually was downstairs in my garage and I going through my wine fridge and reorganizing things. And I was like, oh, when did I, why did I do this? Yeah, that, those are the questions. When and why? So I have like this party wine box now. If I have friends over who don't know anything about yes. wine, I might just end, open them at the very last hour of the night. A million like... percent. Even before the last hour, after they've had some tequila and then you're, and then they switch to wine. You're like, I've got the best bottle. We're going to open Might have it. to add some Coca-Cola to it. Yeah, they don't care. No, they don't, make a little spreads. Come on, Nana doesn't have, wine But spreads. I don't have any wine. I think most of my friends around here definitely like wine, though. I don't have anyone. Who doesn't know? No, I don't think so. I'm pretty picky about my friends, Raleigh. I guess. I'm sure there's some people in Raleigh that don't know. <laughs> True. I can send him. <laughs> send him to Mike Doyle. <laughs> Do you want his address? Hold on. I have it right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love him. Love you, Mikey. Okay, so final questions. What are you making at home right now? taste like or what do you drink what do you have open that's probably a better question what do you have open right now that you're drinking well um 12 different bottles of wine. okay great pick one because <laughs> i had a wine tasting yesterday with, okay. the, um, yeah, with a new client so i'm like yeah. so which yeah. one should i tell you about um i think the one that I would drink tonight when I come home, which is still open, is a Pinot Gris from Bettina Schumann. She is down Kaiserstuhl area, which is Baden, um, which is like one of the warmest areas for wine growing in Germany. It's really close to the border of France. It's absolutely beautiful, volcanic soils and everything. And mm. she comes from the Berlin area originally. And then her story is really cool. So she didn't grow up in like a winery or anything, but her parents took her down to Italy at some point to you know go on vacation. She was not even a teenager, maybe like 12, 13. And she got like to taste a few sips of like, you know, certain wines her parents were having. And she was just like, this is so fascinating. And so instead of going the down the road with, you know, growing up as a teenager, going through the makeup stuff and buying nail polish and all the things and lipstick, she started working at a wine shop and um, bought herself, you know, wine and good for her. The rest <laughs> got is into like the whole wine thing. Yeah. And I studied winemaking, worked as a consultant and still does for several wineries around um I think even like New Zealand and stuff too. She did for a while. For some wow. reason all of my wineries I work with and most of the winemakers have spent some time in New Zealand. It's almost like among like my whole portfolio, one of our common things that we all share. <laughs> oh I love that. That's um, awesome. Yeah, but her wines are just incredible. I met her in twenty um 17 I think when she just released her first wine and so she moved down to Kaiserstuhl area to make her own wine it was like her dream to have her own mm. wine in production and that's when I met her like a Pinot Noir small like you know trade show mm -hmm. and her Pinot was by far to me outstanding one of the best ones at this whole trade show and so when I looked into importing I was like I reached out to her I was like can I you want to work with me I love your Pinot I love that. <laughs> and so, yeah, I had one of her Pinot Gris yesterday. So she has two different wines, just like a red shoe line. The name is Schumann, the last name, so Schumann. And mm. so every label has this beautiful shoe on it um, in oh, like I different styles and shapes. And she always wears red shoes on any occasion when you go and visit her. One of her house, it's like all different types of shoes, all in red. So you always know where she lives. And so her red shoe are like the, you know, everyday, really fun, high quality um 
yeah, almost like dancing wines. You kind of like you drink and they're vibrant, they're fresh and incredible. And then her gold shoe is like the high end stuff, you know, like for date nights or something, you know, unique and different and really cool food pairing wines as well. Like both of them are. And so I opened one of her Pinot Gris yesterday with a little bit of um, skin contact, a little bit of oak, like new oak too. And like it's really incredible. Yeah, balanced wine, like really oh. interesting. It's like nothing you can think of when you think about Pinot Gris. So it's like a whole yeah. different story. Like oh, I love like that. Definitely That's... a shower. It's like really cool. And then like because it's like female winemaker, they have a I don't know, they're really good at <laughs> making elegant wines. So yeah, Pinot is just like same stick. Outstanding. Oh, I love that. I love my wine, as you can tell. (laughs) No, I love that. So um, promote yourself. How can people get a hold of you? How can they find you? Um, Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I do have an Instagram um, account. I have a website that I built myself. So sorry if there's anything. Stop. It's It's a beautiful site. (laughs) It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I have no money. You know, when you start a business, you kind of have to, you know. Oh, yeah. Be scrappy, girl. I hear (laughs) you. So, yeah. Book my website. So, yeah. Website. You can definitely um, call me too. If you have questions, you can text me, email me, everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always happy to connect with new people and tell them about more about my wines. And if they want to join the wine club, I usually curate the shipments based on, you know, what I said earlier, season. holidays taste what whatsoever and then but you can also change them out so I have the system set up that if you don't like my selection for any reason no offense you can change the wines mm-hmm, <laughs> and right. um, make your own yeah make your own wine club shipment or add some wines to get free shipping and stuff so shipping flat rate for every state I can ship to almost every state in the U.S. So no matter where you are and you want to drink some cool German wines reach out to me I'm happy to talk you through some of the wines too to get an idea and then every wine shipment has usually two entry level wines for like everyday drinking, two medium tier ones, and then two top tier ones too. So That's so like awesome. Okay, what's all. your website? Say say it out loud to everybody. Tupetswine.com. So it's uh-huh. T-U-P-E-T-Z wine.com. It's my uh-huh. last name. And sounds like, you know, two pets, two dogs, but spelled differently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's just like people ask me how he's, you know, how you say your name. Yeah, like, Totally. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Okay, last, last, very last question I ask everybody. Mm-hmm. You have all the money in the world. Where are you going? And what I'm going to ask you, are you drinking? Usually ask, what are you eating? But what are you drinking? Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would probably go back to New Zealand. Oh, yeah. And um, one of my favorite wines I had was in New Zealand. So I, it's among the wine people if you mention Sauvignon Blanc as your favorite wine everyone's like oh you have no idea about wine (laughs) but um there are a few really amazing Sauvignon Blancs out there and so my very first favorite wine that I had was this wine from a producer in New Zealand called Dog Point you still you get his wine sometimes over here but he has like a single vineyard block section 94 which is like his you know prestigious Sauvignon Blanc side and it's like so so classy least contact creamy on the palate just like anything but the Sauvignon Blanc but mm. still you can, I mean, you can tell it's the Sauvignon Blanc but it was such a complex and incredible wine to me so when I did like the whole sommelier introduction in New Zealand one day within like four weeks in or something Lisa asked which wine I want to have from the ones that she has by the glass and I chose this one and she was like, well, that's the most expensive one we have by the glass. And I was like, oh, sorry, like, don't worry about it. Like, I can drink something. I was like, no, no, no. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of you. 
awesome. show us the best one without even knowing. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Shit's good. So That's I would awesome. probably try to get one of those wines. When I was back in New Zealand 2022, I went back for a few weeks um, to see Lisa and spend some time with her. I went to a cool bar in um, Auckland and I actually had this wine. Oh, not the same awesome. vintage though but I was just sitting and I was like oh I oh, found it <laughs> that's awesome awesome well, we will do this again but I mean there's so many amazing wines I probably just travel to I haven't been to I mean I have been to France but I haven't been to Bordeaux yet for like a full wine tour so that's oh, something I would love to do yeah Burgundy for sure I mean France yeah. is like for wine trips I think one of the places I want to go to and then I mean there's so many cool wineries all over the world I'll just do like wine trips all the time. You do. I'm coming. You need to. Lisa, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming Thank on you. the pod. You, it was gonna, incredible. Yes. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. We are going to do this again and drink wine no and hang out. And you're coming back to Boston. We We're can do a wine tasting. Here. We're doing a wine we tasting. We can talk about wines that we drink together through oh, yes, on a podcast. Can. Oh, yeah. We can definitely do that. But then you need to talk actually physically come back to your roots in in boston and hang out and we'll we'll hop around i haven't been back since i left two two and a half years out so things haven't changed so don't worry about it it's still the same it's still the same all right my friend i'll be over so much (laughs) thank you have a great day you too bye bye oh my god how thirsty are you guys i after talking with lisa that day we recorded we definitely, Todd and I had Thai food for dinner, and I popped open the most delicious vermentino to go with it because I did not have a German Riesling at that time. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm gonna have another glass of wine tonight because I, how can you not? She, when she's talking, I'm listening and salivating over this wine. She makes it all so delicious. So Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm going to link all of her information in the show notes. Uh, Head on over to the site, elizabethrfuller.com for that and so much more. If you have questions for me or for the podcast, shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And of course, tag me in your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. All right, you guys, I love you. Leave with kindness, make some yum food together, and I will see you in two Fridays. Bye.